Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word and to call upon him in prayer and in praise and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar, let us first consider our own unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought and in word and in deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake. He forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You open your hands, you satisfy the desires of every living thing. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make remedies for our He covers the heavens with clouds, he prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He Glory. 
Heavenly Father, though we do not deserve your goodness, still you provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may acknowledge your gifts, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for this, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, is from the prophet Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the depths of, of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the second chapter. Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you, who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We now join in a hymn of reflection on the epistle reading, hymn number 909, Christ has made the sure foundation. According to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in, in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. 
Now many saw them going and recognized them, and, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, We join together in confessing our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, life of life, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under the hunched He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke with the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today, the Gospel reading, these verses in particular of Mark chapter 6, And then he, Jesus, commanded them all to sit down in groups upon the green grass, and so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing, and he broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate, and they were satisfied. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Just this past Thursday, I shared with our Senior Saints Bible class a review that was written about a new book that's entitled Biocentrism. Scientist Robert Lanza wrote the book, and using the latest findings in physics and quantum mechanics, Dr. Lanza posits a fascinating new worldview, which, if accepted by the scientific community, would indeed be quite revolutionary for them. The world, he says, appears to be designed for life. And more than that, he says, the universe has a long list of traits, and I'm quoting them, that makes it appear if everything it contains, from the smallest atoms to the largest stars, was tailor-made just for us. Some have called that, he explains, the Goldilocks effect, the notion that the cosmos is not to this and it's not to that. Remember the story of Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold, not too hard, not too soft. But that the whole universe, he contends, is made in such a way that it's not to this, it's not to that, it's just right. Just right for life, the cosmos, just right. Tweak any one of the insignificant, seemingly little details of it, tweak it in the slightest way, he says, and we wouldn't exist. Life wouldn't be here, but here we are. Here we are because the cosmos, he says, is just right for life. And yet, amazingly, where is life to be found? Life is to be found right here on planet Earth. To be sure, we've been looking for life elsewhere, for a long time. This year we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the SETI project that still operates and is taking place just a few miles from us over in Mountain View. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence where hundreds of scientists have been diligently looking for any life indicators in outer space. To date, nothing has been found, nothing employing the most sophisticated gadgets known to mankind. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence has found nothing which would surely seem to be consistent with what this scientist has been saying. Lanza has said regarding the uniqueness of planet Earth in this vast universe in which we live, that indeed not simply the, the solar system around us, but the, the galaxies itself and the universe itself has been tailor-made just for us. It's a mind-boggling thought. It's a, a mind-boggling thought to think that the universe and everything in it, from atoms to stars, was made with us in the designer's mind. It's mind-boggling. And it's also a most humbling thought. 
humbling and numbing, especially when we consider that we have done nothing, absolutely nothing to merit being placed at the biocentric center of everything that exists in this universe. In fact, we as the human race have done everything humanly possible to undo all that God has done for us collectively as mankind, individually as sinful men, women, and children. We would be, as our epistle lesson today spells it out so clearly, we would be alienated from God, we would be separated from God, we would be strangers to God because of our sins, and St. Paul makes that so abundantly clear. We would have no hope for the future. We would be without God in this world because of our sinfulness. We would be, he says, far away, far off from God, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But now, St. Paul says in today's epistle lesson, but now you who were once far off, talking about the condition in which we first even were born, but you who were once far off have now been what brought near, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ who has, as we heard in the epistle lesson, reconciled us unto God in his body through the cross, so that we are no longer strangers, we're no longer aliens, he says, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints and we are members of the household of God. That's the extravagant grace of God. When you think of the vastness of the universe, when you think of us as being the biocentric center of it all, when you think of what God has done to then save and to redeem us who are so undeserving of it all, it all spells out one word, extravagance. The extravagant grace of God toward us demonstrated no more definitively than on the cross, defined nowhere more exactly and precisely than in his holy word, dispensed nowhere more powerfully and more effectively and precisely than in his sacraments, wherein the benefits of that cross are lavished upon you individually and fully and completely, proof positive that you are, as St. Paul says in today's epistle lesson, the dwelling place for God. By the Holy Spirit, he has deigned to dwell with you, to live within you, to be with you, day in and day out, no matter what the circumstances of life might be. Australian author Grantley Morris puts it this way. He says, no matter how you might feel from day to day, and how true it is, how much of a bearing that all too often has upon what we think of God and ourselves, but he said, no matter how you may feel, from day to day, the fact remains that you are the focus of God's attention. Doted on, he says, as though you were the only friend that God has. If ever a man wanted to shower his bride with love, and if ever a father wanted to shower his son with gifts, God longs to lavish you with his extravagance. Hear that one more time. God loves to lavish you with his extravagance. Lavish. It's a beautiful word, that word lavish. But that's exactly what the Apostle Paul used. We heard it a couple of weeks ago in the epistle lesson. 
where the Apostle Paul uses that very word. He says, in, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We've got the, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to, note this now, the riches of his grace which he has lavished upon us. What a great word that word lavish is. What might surprise you is that it comes from the word lava. A word to us which immediately brings to mind the molten rock that flows down from the exploding volcano. Such a negative word it seems to be associated with something so phenomenally great as the grace of God. But interestingly the word lava as originally used had nothing to do with volcanoes. It's really an old Latin word which describes quote torrential rain that overflows into the streets washing out the streets. That's what the word lava originally meant. It wasn't until the volcanic eruption of Mount Vesuvius that destroyed Pompeii back in 79 AD that the word lava was then used to refer to rivers of molten rock that were running through the streets instead. But before that time and certainly in the time of the Apostle Paul, the word lava as he uses it had to do with cleansing water. So ancient Jewish basins that were ceremonially used for cleansing water as well as early Christian baptismal fonts wherein adults and infants were born from above by water and the spirit were both called lavers. L-A-V-E-R-S, lavers where God's forgiving, where God's cleansing grace for sinners is lavished in lavatory fashion, is lavished upon us in a torrential and in an overflowing way. And how true it is, God lavishes us with his extravagant gifts of grace which always turn into an overflowing of temporal and eternal blessings. Indeed, what is it that St. Paul asks us all rhetorically? He says, if he spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely give us everything that we need? How could it be any other way? How could it be any other way than Martin Luther so vividly portrays it when he says, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he's given me my body and my soul, my eyes and ears and all my members, my senses, and still preserves them, and also clothing and shoes and meat and drink and house and home and wife and children and fields and cattle. You were memorized it all, all my goods that he richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and this life. God has his eye constantly upon you. And in today's gospel, it certainly indicates that as well, a multitude of 5,000 men, and that's just the men alone who were gathered, plus the women that were there and the children. St. Mark tells us, that these 5,000 were gathered there. St. John tells us that it was on a mountainside to hear Jesus speak. You know who they were. They were the scattered sheep of Israel. The ones that Jeremiah spoke about in the Old Testament lesson today. Scattered because of unfaithful and cowardly shepherds of God's flock who had for generations not been defending the sheep from the false teachings of wolves that had come into their midst to mislead and to misguide them, wolves who would come stealthily into their midst to first disturb them and then to disperse and to scatter them and then finally to devour 
the weakest and the most vulnerable and careless wanderers among them. The scattered sheep of Israel, as the Old Testament prophet said, now being gathered together by the chief shepherd, by the great shepherd, by God himself, who said, I will shepherd my people, Israel. Jesus Christ, who identifies himself in the Gospels as being the good shepherd, who would lay down his life for his sheep, the good shepherd who would feed them the bread, not only that they needed for their bodies, but the bread that they needed for their souls, which he identified himself as being, later giving them even his very body and his very blood, which would in due time be delivered to them in the sacramental bread and wine of his holy supper. Sacred bread for their souls, but he dearly loved the whole man. And so he, in our gospel reading for today, also provides them with the daily bread that was needed for their bodies, the bread that he had taught them to pray for when he said to them, and when you pray, you say, give us this day our daily bread. You see, he who once said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, also knew that man cannot live without bread for the body. And so he looks compassionately upon the unprepared thousands who had carelessly, like scattered sheep, given no thought as to where they would be spending the day and the night when, as Mark tells us, they, quote, ran to where Jesus was on foot from all of the towns. And that very report of Mark that they ran to where Jesus would from all of the towns, what does it suggest to you except that it was totally something unprepared, that they went quickly, they went in haste, they went without making due preparations, they went spontaneously without any forethought as to where they were going to go and to, as to what they were going to do to meet the ordinary deeds and needs of the ordinary day. Five thousand of them now gathered together on this mountaintop with Jesus, looked upon indeed far more compassionately by our Lord than by the disciples. Remember, his disciples were all too much at this time like the Old Testament prophets in many ways. His disciples were all too ready to do once again what the Old Testament teachers had too often failed to do. But the Pharisees certainly in the day, and the leaders of the church in the day, of the people that they had failed to do, they were ready to scatter them again. The disciples were, what did they say to Jesus? Send them away. Scatter them into the surrounding countrysides and the villages that they may buy there something for themselves to eat. Jesus, Jesus won't have it. Jesus won't have it because the bread that they need isn't only the bread of wheat to satisfying the gnawing hunger of their stomachs, which they might have been able to get for themselves. But the real bread that they need is the bread of life, Christ himself, the messianic manna that had come down from heaven, who alone can satisfy the gnawing hunger of the emptied human soul. The bread of life, which God has ordained that they are to receive from the men whom he had handpicked himself to fulfill the words of God recorded by Jeremiah when he said, I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. 
And so when the disciples said, send them away, Lord, send them away, Jesus says, no. He says, no, you give them something to eat. You, the shepherds, that I, the Lord God incarnate, have set over them, you feed them in my name. You feed them the bread of life. And the disciples say, in what might well be considered a sarcastic reply, and how, Lord, are we to do this? Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, 200 denarii was far more than the disciples ever had and could ever gather together, and so they are sarcastically suggesting, now, shall we go and spend 200 denarii to buy for all of these people? In essence, they're saying, Lord, you're... You're asking us to do the absolutely impossible. You're telling us to do what we can't possibly do to feed so many people with so little as we have. What, Lord, really, what, Lord, would you really have us do? His answer, have them sit down. Have them sit down and watch me give you all that you will need to give them. And from five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus sat before the disciples, St. Mark tells us, enough bread and enough fish to serve all of the people. But he sat it before the disciples to serve to all of the people. He sat before them not only the food that they were to eat, but he sat before the people, the shepherds, who would serve it to them. And as your bulletin cover says, they all ate, and they were satisfied. You see, the shepherds which the Lord sets over his sheep feed them simply and only that which the Lord provides for them in his extravagant grace. They serve not that which they can provide of themselves, but only that which the Lord can provide as he works through them to give them miraculous gifts of his extravagant grace for his precious people. God doing what only God can do, and doing it through shepherds that he sets among us. Don't underestimate then what God is doing right here today. Through his word that you hear preached and hear taught, or there at the font, as you've seen it happen so many times, where water and the word is being applied, and God is there doing his work right here at the altar, for the bread of life, the manna from heaven, the bread of life himself, the Lord Jesus Christ in his blessed reality is being given to you in his very body and in his very blood. Don't underestimate God's presence. Don't underestimate what God is doing, even though he's doing it through such simple means administered by the words and by the hands of very, very human shepherds that he has set among you. Think of God working through us in this way. Picture a child who has his paintbrush in hand, gleaming with eager excitement at the thought of putting the brush to the canvas. But enclosing his hand is the gentle hand of the world's greatest artist. All right, he says to the little boy, let's paint. And the hand of the artist moves with the hand of the little boy as their motion merges into a stroke here, into another stroke there, until finally, at last, the masterwork is totally completed. And then to see the 
artist's smile and to see the child's delight as they together behold the stunning beauty of the picture that they have painted. The same God said through Jeremiah, I will set shepherds over you to care for you, is the same one who said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. And then he provided them with bread to nourish the body and with the bread of life that nourishes the soul. And he does no less for you today, in body and in soul. He does no less for you today. Come, therefore, taste, see that the Lord is good, and you too will be among those of whom it's been said they all ate. And they were satisfied. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
according to their needs. We pray. Merciful Father, you have had great compassion on us. You not only provide us daily bread which supports our bodies, but you also grant to us your Son, Jesus Christ, who has brought us near by his saving blood. Receive, we ask, our praise and thanks for all these gifts that you generously give to us who are truly unworthy to receive them. Give us a right understanding of all your mercies, that our hearts may ever be deeply thankful, and that we may show forth your praise with both our lips and our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All-knowing and infinitely loving God, open our eyes to see the needs of those around us, especially the spiritual needs of those who have no knowledge of you. Turn them from their futile ways and from the things in which they trust and draw them near to you by the Holy Spirit, working through your promised word proclaimed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. To this end, Lord, grant to your church faithful under-shepherds who care for your flock and will faithfully feed it. Look with compassion on your sheep that would have no pastoral shepherd and supply. Receive our thanks today that you have led Reverend Martin Nolan to accept the call to be the pastor of your people of Trinity Lutheran Church in Evansville, Indiana. Guide them to receive him as the one sent by you to proclaim in their midst your saving word and distribute faithfully your sacraments to them. Enable your church throughout the world to sound the clear tone of confession through pastors diligent to their called tasks and through people heartily confessing Christ crucified. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the nations, protect all those whom you have placed in authority over us in our land. Keep them from all harm and danger. Guide the governmental process of making and enforcing and judging laws, blessed with truthfulness, fairness, and wisdom, procedure by which a new Supreme Court justice is selected. Direct our leaders to make decisions that are pleasing in your sight and that genuinely are good for the citizens that they govern. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, you bless the earth, and through its fruits you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Make our earth fruitful, bring forth in abundance whatever is needed for the support of our lives. Prosper the work of farmers and all those who labor to bring food to our table. Grant them seasonable weather as you work through them to care for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, O Lord, on behalf of all of those who are ill, including Hugh Ryan, who's been hospitalized. Uphold the weak and the ailing, comfort the faint-hearted. Grant patience to those who must await tests or test results. Grant each one and us all faith to look beyond life's momentary trials with the assurance of eternal healing from sin which you bestow through Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive our thanks for anniversaries of birth or marriage, of the new birth of baptism. Help us, good Lord, to regard your kindnesses and ever give thanks to you for your inexhaustible grace toward us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Savior, at your gracious invitation, we come to your table to eat and drink your precious body and blood. Let us find favor in your eyes to receive this holy sacrament in faith for our present and eternal good. Enable us to regard reverently and rejoice in the common confession of the faith shared by those who at the table proclaim your death until you come again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All these things, and whatever else you know that we need, grant to us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus, your Son, 
who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Christ Jesus, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In your righteous judgment, you condemned the sin of Adam and Eve, who ate the forbidden fruit, and you justly barred them and all of their children from the tree of life. And yet in your great mercy, you promised salvation by a second Adam, your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and made his cross a life-giving tree for all who trust in him. We give you thanks for the redemption you have prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Grant us your Holy Spirit, that we may faithfully eat and drink of the fruits of his cross and receive the blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation that come to us in his body and blood. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Amen. 
Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. I thank you, God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.